Um, I had to actually fight with my mouth just now because you were like, when we come back, we're going to talk about, and there was a pause and I wanted so badly to say your mom. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. Kelly Sue. Why not? Why not? I literally was like, opportunity missed. Yeah. You know what? Don't doubt your instinct. Never fight with your mouth. I want to say that (laughs) you are a master of just that kind of humor. Do you know what I'm saying? And now I'm looking back and I'm just like, oh man. I really have to stop fighting it because wow, I wanted to say it so bad. Hello and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am Claire Thorne, apocalyptic crafter and author of A Geek's Guide to Cross-Stitch Journeys in Space. And as always, I am joined by my deep thinking and amazing popsicle co-host crew philip kelly prolific producer actor writer and reviewer of all the things and noob to hannibal hello salut salut lisa k weber visual virtuoso popsicle and hex 11 artist delightful hello lisa hello it's me (laughs) justin peniston captain of our debate team and writer of the webcomic Hunter Black and the Sonic Prime TV series. Hello, Justin. Uh, that would be less funny if I wasn't actually, you know, a captain of a debate a team. Muckety muck on the debate team. <laughs> yeah, I have your yeah. I have your yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kelly Sue Milano, Oracle of the Stars, and Hex Eleven Scribe. Big pun. Yeah. Hello. Big pun. Uh yay we are here and we are done with season one of hannibal in this episode we are going to be performing a post-mortem if you will an autopsy we're going to get out the the, those things that that pull the rib cage apart Mm -hmm. and dive in and find out um i guess you know my first question is did we survive um that's something for us to all consider um, and we especially want to find out if Phil survived. Um, so I am I am simply going to turn this over to each of you to, you know, really bring your thoughts about season one. Um, let me, let us know what you thought about the themes, the characters, the relationships, um, as we went from episode one to episode 13 um, in this, you know, the first third of this little saga. Um, and what what next? What's coming next? Um, Phil, we will start with you. Sure, sure. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to hear what you guys actually, as we go along through this, what question you guys have for me. I, I, I think right away, though, what, one thing I'm really um, taken by in this show is how much it cares about life. You know, it, it, yeah, it takes, like, all of this is, you know, there's so many deaths, there's so much killing. It really dives into the sort of visual aspects of death and and creating this sort of otherworldly flavor. But at the same time, because of Will's struggle about, you know, am I a killer or not? uh, That life is precious. Um, It's really almost in in a way equally about uh, how 
important and precious life is. Uh, and so that's, that's one thing I'm really appreciating about this show is that it's not just a show about death and killing and murder, um, but it, it balances it out with the other side of that. And to see kind of will become the antithesis to uh, Lecter's death. He, you know, I, I'd like to see him continue, you know, obviously struggle with his thing, but uh, his ascension as we talked about a little bit in the previous episode to be towards representing, you know, that idea of, of life, uh, maybe going forward. But um, I do like that about this show quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, nothing like all these beautifully displayed dead bodies to really put you in touch with your sense of mortality, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I personally, I enjoy being in that space. I like, um, I mean, I am a, I'm a goth at heart. <laughs> so I love things to be like dark and like, you know, um, deathly and, but like romantic. So <laughs> this show has always been very special to me for that reason. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm tracking with, uh, what you're saying about the mortality themes. I really enjoy them a lot. Um, and I've always also really liked that, um, in talking about mortality and talking about like the sense that it's like wanting to somehow beat it through legacy or like was talked about in the episode we just talked about um 13 um where it's about reputation like when Hannibal is talking about like he never thought about living beyond his death in any way um that reputation is the way to do that and I've always really found that theme really um fascinating and like resonant on this show um so do you yeah. think that that means that Hannibal wants to be caught that he, or at least uncovered because yeah. you, you, so he doesn't want to hide this forever. He wants eventually the world. to I don't know. think so. Like I, like I said, I think part of like what, like I said, when we were talking about the season finale of this first season, when he walks into the silence of the lambs hallway and he closes his eyes and listens to the music, I think he's like, I think he's like preparing like for this being where he will live eventually and perhaps die. Mm -hmm. I am. Um... I'm nodding enthusiastically in agreement. <laughs> you can't see it, Thanks, Kelly, but I'm Sam. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to do that out loud for us, Kelly? <laughs> Nod out loud. Well, it's interesting that, that, wow, because like I am the farthest thing from a goth, I think. I, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, and yet I absorb so much of the same stuff that Lisa does. And I think the thing about it is Hannibal, the character and the show, is sort of saying to me, 
that life must be worth living and experiencing. You know, that it's almost Nietzschean, you know, it's almost like you must, you must live a life worthy of experiencing again, if you had to, you know, mm. and, you know, a life, a, a pedestrian life, a life that does not, you know, seek out mm -hmm. what the world has to offer, a life that does not, you know, indulge in things that elevate the mind and the soul, you know, that's not worth living because those are the people that Hannibal kills and in killing them, he, you know, he elevates them into something that he can experience and savor, mm. you know, and it's, it's really, I mean, it's mm -hmm. a twisted, you know, take on how life can and should be, but I think it's a statement on that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, on top of being a goth, I'm also an existentialist. So <laughs> I very much believe that it's like, you know, life is life. The meaning of life is what you decide it to be. You know, it's mm -hmm, like, it's all up to us individually, like how, like what it's for and how you're going to use it and how you're going to spend it. And um, yeah, so I, 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 I think that's another thing that I, maybe didn't realize until you just were talking about it that like I really love about the character of Hannibal is that he is that kind of like shiny example of like I know I'm here the one time <laughs> so I'm mm -hmm. just gonna do it the way I want to do it and there's something as twisted as the way he does it there's something admirable in the conviction with which he goes through life I also feel like I just need to point out that I've been stewing in the fact that, you know, Kelly Sue so casually used the word Jungian in the previous episode. And so I had to drop in a Nietzschean, you know, just to, to feel, to feel, you know, man enough to continue, you know, so. Amazing. What do you call Sartre? Um, Can you call it Sartrean? Sartrean, probably. I've never heard that, but that sounds right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, I'll, I, I'll, I'll drop. I, I like. I'll awesome. try and drop a Sartrean point. At some Lisa, as, a, <laughs> as an exist, existentialist goth, I can't imagine why you haven't added loving the apocalypse uh, to that. Just as a trifecta of doom. Well, my existentialism and, and my gothness is also like the the thing about like the kind of like living in the mortality space is really appreciating life. You know, yeah. like that's the other side of she's it. She's a goth, but she's also mm -hmm. a Taurus. And <laughs> Taurus is not going to be out here being all stoked about the apocalypse. And not to mention, it's she's true. also a bit of a romantic. Yes. And the apocalypse can be many, many things. Rarely does one say, ah, romantic. You know? Yeah. I love that this yeah. is turning into a post-mortem of the co-hosts. <laughs> um, back to Hannibal. Yes, <laughs> let's do that. Um, one of the things I love so much about this show, theme, characters, relationships, etc., cetera, um, especially this first season, is the amazing way that we are introduced to the character of Hannibal Lecter. Um, unlike any iteration before it, um, and how, you know, we, I think when we, when we see Silence of the Lambs, we love Anthony Hopkins, right? 
We love that character, but this is definitely more of a, like, we get to grow into our love of Hannibal so much so that by the end of the season, I'm sitting there being like, oh, right. He was doing this the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, I I have jokingly. Yeah, I have jokingly put that as the tag of the summary of our last episode, but it was true. Like, you really do. The way that he's presented, the way that he moves through the season, the way that he creates relationships with everyone in the show, you forget it. If you see him coming, run away. (laughs) You know? Um, And I love that so much because Hannibal Lecter as an archetype really is a, you know, a representation of, um, to put it in astrological terms, the energies found in the mansion of Scorpio, where it is to be human means to embody all of these things, to embody a total picture of what it is to be both a, you know, a thinking mechanism but also a primal mechanism, you know? Hannibal Lecter is not a supernatural force. Everything that he does throughout the course of this show, any other human being is capable of doing. And to be able to recognize all of these total human taboos in this gorgeous, well-dressed, well-spoken, kind version of Hannibal Lecter, I was just like, oh, <laughs> this is hitting like 25 of my sweet spots as a storyteller. And just as someone who wants to really get down and dirty in the experience of humanity, you know, and Hannibal Lecter is a vehicle for which we get to experience all of these super taboo elements of life. It's one of the reasons why Lolita is my most favorite book of all time. Because the first time I read it, I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting here and I'm actually like empathizing with this terrible person. That is just fascinating and transformative type stuff. And we get all of it in season one. And of course, you know, I realize we have now a two thirds noob, by the way, in Phil. Mm. He's not a full noob anymore. <laughs> but you know, we get he's more brought of a it. third of the way in. Third yeah, the he's way a in. third uh, of the way in. <laughs> one, one thing I really, one thing I did really like about this last episode, because when we, when we had the episode 12 conversation, I was very emotional. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, and we, we took a few weeks in between podcasting. And as we went along, I was like, uh, the logical part of myself took over. And I was like, there's no way that they're going to kill a main character this early. It would feel too final, I think. Mm. It, would, it, would, it, would, it would be too final of a, an emotional sort of kind of thing to happen. It would, I think it would draw too much attention to say uh, uh, Hannibal or yeah and so i started to veer away from that kind of theory but one thing i liked about i was still expecting this final episode to be emotional but i found it to be more intellectually riveting 
than emotionally riveting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I saved mm -hmm. it until last night to watch. And now I wish I had it. I wish I had watched it a couple times because there's so much more going on intellectually. I wanted to come in with kind of an, like an emotional sort of whatever to podcasting. Mm -hmm. um, and instead, it, there, there's a lot of other stuff. It isn't just emotional. Like most, I think most shows would have that temptation to lean into something like that. But when I walked away from the 13th episode, I was like, I had to take a walk because I was like, God damn it. Like, uh, uh, I, I wasn't, I, I, my, intel, my, my logical side was more processing more than my uh, emotional side. Uh, and I think that's um, a really bold choice for a show to make, to draw you back in like that, as opposed to with something that is purely emotional and, and visceral in that degree. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's, very well put for like this last episode because mm. I I mean you know I this is I think this is my third watch through of the whole series but I tend to watch each episode before we talk about it I tend to watch each episode twice so technically right. when I watched it again last night it was the fourth time I had seen the episode all together but um but it still totally excites me yeah like it still ended and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Even though I've seen it yeah. like four times now, I still have that reaction to it. Like it's, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that it, 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 it gets your brain synapses firing. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I ended it still being like, oh, I'm so excited for season two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Season two is my favorite. Uh -huh. Oh my Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the mark of a good TV show that you you have that like running in your head of like oh we're watching this particular season and while I'm watching it it feels like my favorite season and I argue with mm -hmm. myself every single time about like oh which is my favorite season okay I'm in season one you know I think this really should be my favorite season this is this is mm -hmm. amazing and then I get to the end of it I'm like oh yeah but season two oh my god there's so much in season two that is just my favorite. And yeah. I will do that in the transition to season three as well. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, we are going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about, I don't even know how to predict what we're going to talk about. I never do with this group. So I won't even try. Just, you know, come back. We'll be right back. Okay, everybody, we are back from break. Um, we were just doing completely logical things while we were gone. Um, we weren't goofing off at all. Um, I want to come back from break and discuss something that was kind of occurring to me um, while I was listening to everyone else um, in the beginning of this episode, um, which is that when I'm thinking about again, why we love, why, why do we love this so much? Why do we, why do we feel like we need, it, it's not just a love, but I feel like I need to have stories about evil. And I, it, for me, it, I think it always comes back to, this is how I remind myself that I am I contain all of the things I contain good and joy and light and I contain darkness and evil and reminding myself as a human that I am capable of 
doing evil things, thinking evil thoughts, being evil, however it is we go about, you know, defining that. I think it's critically, critically important that humanity never loses sight of that and that we don't continue to characterize the nature of evil as being something that some person over there embodies and that is completely foreign to the nature of humanity. Um, even with a character like Hannibal or, you know, from the real world, you, you can't even take someone like Hitler and say, he, th this is the embodiment of evil and it is, it is separate from us. And we can point to it and identify it and it is an other, it is something that is other. It, it's not, it is a, it is something that is capable that we can find in all of us that we are all capable of doing. And I don't think we fight evil or, or grapple with the nature of being good without acknowledging the capability of, of evilness in ourselves. So understanding, you know, having a show where I sit and I just kind of absorb what that nature of evil is, it, it, it should be. And I hope, I mean, it's painful, right. To do that. It's painful to go, okay, what aspects of myself align with this character and how should I, how should I grapple with that? Um, yeah, I think that's really, that's a really fascinating take on it. It's like, um, that idea that, um, like that, you know, humans are capable of evil. It's not a good, like calling them a monster or calling them inhuman, um, doesn't really like get us as humans anywhere. If we aren't acknowledging that this is something that humans are capable of doing, um, and that in particularly in the case of Hannibal, that there's something compelling about evil. There's something seductive about it that, um, that it's to deny that it's there in us, to deny that we are drawn to it um, at times is, again, it's not doing anyone any favors to try and like suppress it. Um, let's face it. Mm -hmm. we all, we all have, yeah, we all have these impulses in us. Um, some people are just better at wearing their human suits, I guess, yeah. even though I know that negates what I just said, but it's like, well, the best it's like, I, it's, yeah, go on. What you're saying is like the best example you can give, which is if we didn't just naturally have it, there would be nothing to grapple with. Mm-hmm we wouldn't have to grapple with the, the conflict between being good or being bad. Mm. We would just be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everything would be boring as fuck. <laughs> My bad. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, everything would be boring. I mean, I think one of the big reasons that stories exist at all is so that we can explore and enjoy the parts of ourselves that we mm -hmm. don't want to let go. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't want to eat people, kill people, let alone <laughs> eat them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there, and the truth is, what I just said was a lie. Mm 
Do you know what I'm saying? There is a part of me that wants to kill people. And maybe, sure. you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, there's more of me that doesn't want me to do that. But watching Hannibal allows me to acknowledge and stroke that part of me that does, you know, um, I'm not a big fan of stories that center evil as the main character. Usually I don't enjoy like mob stories. Like I'm not a big fan of, of that kind of crime fiction, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it, you know, crime fiction has to center a quote unquote good guy at it somewhere, you know? Right. Um, which is weird because I love film noir where nobody's good, but whatever. Um, but uh, somehow this transcends that, you know, quote unquote mm. prohibition in my brain, you know, um, because at its core, what I really do love, and this is why I love Star Wars, despite the fact that two-thirds of everything that's been made for Star Wars is kind of bad, you know. Um, at its core, it's about struggling against the desire to do evil within yourself. And that mm -hmm. story always intrigues me, you know. Yeah. Even if you fail, you know, the story of struggling against your own inner evil always mm -hmm. intrigues me because I'm aware of that's what my str struggle is, you know, that I don't give in to my, my rage or my desires, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, desires aren't inherently bad, but they also aren't inherently good, you know? Yeah. And stories give us a safe place to indulge. And I think yeah. maybe what part of what makes Hannibal so delicious is that it's a story in many ways about indulgence, mm -hmm. you know? And then it's a reminder that there is, like Claire was saying, there is no true evil just like there is no ultimate good well you know? certainly not no in humanity separate from us yes separate yeah. from right. us yeah. yeah and that you know those depictions of like you know perfection or like a saintly human being that's without flaw is also like that's you're talking about something just as dangerous right watching hannibal this time comes at the end of a, you know, four or five year period in which I recognize in myself that I would be tremendously tempted to let go of certain aspects of my morality and humanity to achieve the type of control Hannibal has over his environment. We've all been so out of control for so long that yeah, I, I absolutely recognize it and getting to, yeah, indulge and, and, you know, kind of look at that is, is important, but also it's just kind of a, a good mirror to hold up to say, oh, okay, yeah, that's what's going on in my head. And here's how horrible that is here. Here is how damaging it is, would be to me myself. Um, because that's part of what we get to explore with Hannibal is the ways that he is damaged is not, you know, living in a person suit is limiting. It, that's, you know, just kind of full stop, but mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, yeah. those were my musings. 
No, oh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that. Then so that lasings like, all. Earlier, I misspoke when I said human suit, and then I was like, oh, right, it's person suit. And then I remembered, right, a human and a person aren't necessarily the same thing. They don't mean the same thing. <laughs> so you know, true. like person is your persona. A human is the animal inside. And it's... Um, I think yeah, that's man. the axle on which the wheel of Blade Runner turns, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Person and not the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip, you brought it, you started us off. Would you like to finish us off? Well, I guess I, I guess I have a question. See. Sorry. Well, that went badly. No, I should have fought with my mouth on I'm that one. I'm going to have bad <laughs> dreams tonight. That sounds like I a think task. Finish me that off, like Herbert. That sounds like a task and a half, honestly. That's um, your chest tattoo. Finish me off, Phil. <laughs> oh my God. I'm oh. so sorry. I apologize. Phil. Um, <laughs> well, uh, where do I go after that? No, I have a question um, for all of you, actually. Because uh, a lot of you, I mean, we, we picked up some of this as we've gone, like how things have kind of changed like the way you look at a little bit of this has changed uh, upon four or five viewings or whatever. I'm curious if there's any, you know, and those are kind of in the details as we go, but I'm curious on kind of a grander scale in rewatching it again this time, if something has uh, changed in your perception of the show, like if there's a big thing that's kind of altered uh, that you've maybe not seen before, or maybe that because of what we've been through over the past, because I imagine Hannibal would have done quite well during the pandemic um honestly uh you know if if maybe with what we've been through if there's something that's changed for you about the show and how you're viewing it Hmm. it was really difficult to not look at this viewing of Hannibal and imagine and I've said this before but imagine Hannibal in the world of QAnon and insurrectionists and you know a person who who decides whether someone should live based on how rude they are. Um, it definitely had me thinking thinking about some things. <laughs> <laughs> indulging you know, in some like, things. <laughs> indulging in some things, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which was the basis for my Hannibal Rick and Morty mashup script that I just nice. had to write to get it out nice. of my brain. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Hannibal is um, the hero of the Trump era, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Eat the yeah. rich. Yeah. I mean, eat, eat the, the rich. Rude. Yeah. Eat the rude, for sure. So watching it in this in this part of the timeline um, was was pretty interesting in 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 regards to that question. I'm and just I gonna think, say that oh, go this on, sorry, rewatching sorry. that sorry, Lisa. I, I was just gonna say that in this rewatching, he, li- getting to listen to Phil talk about the show is has been the biggest change for me because mm-hmm. Philip you talk more than any of us I think about how shots are framed and mm-hmm. the the mechanics of that and that has been my biggest mm. uh, enrichment this go round I think for me the simple truth is there's so much to take in on this show and there are things that I definitely didn't put together, didn't get. The things that you can't put together and can't get without hindsight, you know, on this show. Um, and I think this show, like The Expanse, for example, which we all love, really rewards rewatching. 
Yeah. Um, because you don't realize how expertly it's it's put together until you've gone back after knowing what happens and then going back mm-hmm. and seeing how the groundwork is laid. Like mm-hmm. it's a brilliant, expertly you know executed show on first viewing, mm-hmm. and you have no idea on first viewing how brilliantly executed it actually is. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, Lisa, you wanted to. Oh yeah. So I'll say like as far as like the time, the time watching Hannibal again in these times that we're in. Um, I think I said it before, but I'll I'll say it again as answer that um, that um, like my second watch of this show happened right before we decided to do this, and I had decided to give it another rewatch because I think I had been spending I think I'd been spending the last like several years for personal reasons, but also like you know global reasons like watching what's going on in the world kind of like avoiding dark stuff um and you know after a year of like COVID anxiety and all these unnecessary deaths I I think I just kind of wanted to like I don't know I wanted to kind of like revisit my I wanted to revisit my shadow self, you know, um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to like keep on pretending that it wasn't there, you know, and try and only yeah. look at the light things and only look at the good things. I think I wanted to go to a place where there's beauty in the darkness um, and art being made out of the darkness and kind of like, mm-hmm. it kind of helped me like recenter myself. Sure. Um, yeah. And so like, that's kind of, that's what I like went into my rewatch earlier this year with that, like that kind of like feeling of like wanting to find that connection inside of myself again. Um, and, but watching it now this third time with all of you and talking about each and every episode as we go through it and really diving in, I mean, the, the biggest thing that's changed for me is how I see Jack really like, Mm -hmm. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about like his, um, his like psychosis, like his kind of like version of crazy. And I always like had seen him as this very stable force. And I'd never really like considered him this unstable force until we all started talking about him as much as we did in the ways that we did (laughs) that like, um, that made me like really see like how just on an uneven keel everybody on this show is except for Hannibal mm-hmm. Lecter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, Pretty much. Yeah, it's interesting how everybody is driven by we talked about uh trying to maintain control and Jack is certainly losing control in one part of his life. So he's trying to get control in another part, I guess, to a degree. That's- well, Hannibal yeah. is the only character who doesn't have any real regrets about the things mm-hmm. he does. And, you know, Jack makes choices that he regrets all the time, you know, like, and he would make them again. You know, he yeah. would do this to Will again, because he <laughs> thinks it's the right thing to do. Right. 
you know, and he feels terrible about him. And we've seen that. Like, so it's, you know, Hannibal has no <laughs> regrets. <laughs> I'm going to live like Hannibal from now on. I, I like the sound of that. I'm going to come over for dinner less often. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. We're coming over for dinner less often. We're just not as stressing about dinner. Um, I think we've we've come to the end of another episode. We've survived the first season of Hannibal. Uh, we will be eagerly moving forward into the unknown territory, at least for Phil, um, of season two next week. And we cannot wait for you to join our discussion as we dive into episode one of season two, Kaiseki. Boy, we move from French terms now to Japanese and uh, yeah, pronunciation. It's always fun. Everyone um, prepare for lots of mispronounced Japanese terms. Yeah. We, we didn't do, do it so well with the French. Don't expect us to, you know, <laughs> our apologies to Japanese people everywhere for what's Oof. to come. Oof, I'm having egg flashbacks. Anyway, um, also, please don't miss out on our other ongoing series that that episode was in which we dissect every moment of Why the Last Man currently streaming on FX on Hulu. If you haven't been watching this show, it is time to binge people. Get it done. Uh, we also sat down with showrunner Eliza Clark and stars Ashley Romans and Amber Tamblin to discuss their first season and the prospects for another. So be sure to check out that episode, which released a couple of weeks ago. Um, you can always help us out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving nice comments about us wherever you're picking up our podcast. Follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social media platforms and sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcast and related info. That is P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D in all the places. So until next time, happy hunting, everyone. Happy murder husbands. This has been a Popsicle podcast production. We are going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about your mom.